Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your host today, TJ Branson, Zach Vogel, Mike Rogerson. Hey, hey, hey. Hey there. Today we got the Dallas oh. Stars for you. If there's any storyline, it's that they were two wins away from bringing it home in the Stanley Cup Finals. Is there any other storyline surrounding it, like Rick Bonus, a new head coach there, defensive system? Sagan's hips are a big yeah. story. And I got him as my number one player still. Me too. So maybe a little bit controversial. It's hard not to. Yeah, I mean, if you want to hop right into the top five, I st- I had him at number one, and I looked at this, and I wasn't sure if I should say that in front of you guys, but he's <laughs> well, the, then, clearly well, the best player. Well, then we're all the making team. the same mistake because we all three have him at number one. Bring this together, boys. Hip surgery. I think they're the one team that wants the season start to keep getting pushed back and back and back. Them in so Boston. Them in Boston, season. man. Yeah. With uh, with hip surgery, I mean, Zach, we've had our fair share of dealing with that. Like Claude Giroux, that's something he came back from. It's hard to bounce back from, you know, the season following. So this could very well be a bum year for him, I think, like, you know, all that said, he's still, to me, the top option there. There's The shot volume is crazy at, what do you have? He had like four a game at some points, like the the last few seasons. Like, rough year, just going to be backed up by an even more rough year, I think, too. Yeah, he was down at 6.9% shooting. Still shot a lot, but 6.9%. I was hoping, you know, if that, that came back to his uh, career average we seen a few more goals, but it's hard to do anything when you can't move the hips, yes. especially the way he plays, right? Like an explosive, in-shape kind of player like that. That is maybe the one saving grace is he's kind of known as being a beast of a man and the workout guy, so he'll probably recover as fast as anyone could. But yeah, it might, it might ruin the year. What do you think about the uh, the vacancy on the top line here? Do you think that's Joe Pavelski right now? Yeah, I th- I think that he's proven that he can do it. I I wouldn't I would put him there over Rupi Hens. For sure. Poopy Rupi. I think it's a big opportunity for uh Poopy Rupi on on line Toopy. Well, that's <laughs> like he might be Well done. Did did you did you, know, you have that planned out? Jeez, Raj, where are you coming I wrote up that. With no, shit? you didn't. You did not write that. I'm a Russian rapper at heart. <laughs> I've got a new career path after seeing that video. We should link that in the, the oh, show for notes. Sure. <laughs> Cause holy Christ. Um, yeah, uh, I think Rupe actually maybe benefits because that's kind of means there's a more solid job for him at, at sea. And they had, according to the ever-reliable DFO, they've got Rupe uh, fronting the power play. Ooh. Ooh, top power play Rupe. I think it's a good thing for Pavelski. If nothing else, top line for two months now, which I assume is going to be, you know, Pavs. Pavelski I had at number three. Two, I still got Jamie Benn. I just can't let go. Can't let go of Jamie Benn here. Same here. I can. Exact same top. Did you? I can I can (laughs) let go of Jamie Benn. I mean I I love I love the all around game, but Jamie Benn has lost a step. The style he plays too, you can't get that step back usually. He still had a ton of fucking hits. Like, uh, and, and I'll I'll give you that. He had 167 hits in 69 games. I get that, but visibly, you could tell just by watching him play that he lost a step. I don't know what the rest of Jamie Ben's career is going to look like. The man has almost 1,500 hits in his career. You know what I mean? And he's been in the league for what 11 years now. I wonder how much longer Jamie Ben is going to be playing like, you know, the Jamie Ben that you're used to. It'll catch up to you. It's going to drop off one day. It's going to drop off the cliff. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
It's going to drop off the cliff. And it's going to happen sooner than I think you think. I'm hoping for him to be decent. At least he's got that hit floor that, that's nice to see in a hits league. But, I mean, he doesn't really rely on assists too much. He's this year, what was he, 19 goals, 20 assists. So he doesn't rely on passing to Sagan. But I'm just wondering how much it's going to affect his offensive output which has already dropped way off not having Sagan around couldn't help yeah that's that's not gonna be good I don't think it's, it's gonna not gonna help. be good you know what I notice about a lot of these top guys is a lot of them just straight up lost two minutes so I think there was like a big systematic change like Sagan his time on ice was down right around two minutes same thing for Ben Radilov over two minutes Pavelski actually saw two minutes less it's like hard to compare because he was in San Jose the year yeah, before he went from another team to yeah so I don't know if like we're we're fading or in Dallas if they're fading a bloated top line in favor of like rolling your lines a little bit more, but I think that kind of is a trend that we're moving towards. Bad for the top line, good for the other three, because they're going to see more of that timeshare. But I think we're probably going to see a lot of that too. And I can't remember if it was Dallas that I heard this quote about, but somebody somewhere said, don't even bother numbering our lines because we just roll lines. There's no one line. And I think, you know, it that quote could probably be said about the New York Islanders, any other defensive team that just has one of those. And you saw it a lot, too, because you're like, oh, my God, why is Alexander Ralov on the third line? Or why is Jamie Benn on the fourth line tonight? And really, they would come out of it with, like, the same amount of time on ice that they usually had. So it's just one of those things that don't freak out if you see somebody in, like, the bottom six or something just because Dallas is one of those freaky teams that it doesn't matter too much I don't think yeah it looks like other than Sagan had uh, over 19 minutes but then after that all the other forwards are like high 14s to low 16s so everyone except Sagan is pretty equal it seems like other than <laughs> our boy Garyanov was really low um, hey, he's getting his feet wet down at 13 minutes but yeah, but yeah, they were really, really evenly rolled and out. He was still like a, in the Calder so. talks. Oh yeah, a bit far out, but he was there. Twenty goals. Who'd you guys have still, at three? Still to have your name mentioned. You didn't have Ben at number two. I did not. Who'd you have at number two? Mira Heiskanen. No way. Mira yeah? Heiskanen. I think Mira Heiskanen is going to take a big step this year. He already okay. plays a ton of minutes, a ton of minutes. I think he's going to get that top line power play. I like Mira Heiskanen. He he's a player like, and I guarantee he's going to be a player that that is going to be when we're talking about like you know I think a steal of the draft. Hmm. He's one of those kind of guys that just for some reason people forget about him. Like, and I I don't know why, but like he was seriously in the Calder talks last year, and this year even though he was far out, he was in the Norris talks. He he's just an all around player. The numbers don't like super show it, but he is showing he is throwing on a uh, a ton of shots, throwing on a ton of shots. He had a uh, let's see here, he had almost three shots a game this year. Yeah, he matched Ben actually. That's big, exact same amount of shots. That that is ben, huge so. to me. He, I think he is going to take a big step. I don't know why I and it might be it might be a little hot takey, but Mira High is going to number two. You probably had him at what number? I'm going to think you had him at number five. Just because had, you felt like you had to have him in there? I had him outside. I had him in my depth. But the wow. first sentence first Ooh. sentence I wrote wow. is rightfully he could have been argued into the top five. That's literally what I have as the first sentence here. Like I, I love what I saw in the playoffs. 
And I'm going to take that into account. It's not something I usually take into account, but you know, 27 games is a small sample size. We say that all the time with Yamamoto, but it's, it's also impossible to ignore 26 points in 27 playoff games, far above what I think his, his pace is going to be next season. I don't think he's going to be like a 78, 79 point guy, but I do think he's going to hit 50. Yeah, I was a 50 point say, pace if there's not 82 games. Guy. It's an easy line, I think, to bet the over on too. Like 55 could be one that I that I would have to think about. He scored it like Yamamoto did in the regular season, but in the playoffs too. So I think that if they do give Heiskanen the lion's share of power play time on ice, that 55 is an easy hurdle to jump. When I talk about Klingberg, I talk about the shift from a loaded top power play because Klingberg, when he scored like a a shit ton of points, 67, I think it was, he had 78% of the power play time. And then it went to 70. And then now it's like 52 for him. So I don't know if they're going to do a top power play the same way, just regarding their top power play QBs or whatever. But the peripherals are kind of in line with Klingberg with those hits added into like Klingberg's more of a blocker. And the shots are great. So it's hard. Like uh, Heiskanen, like you're saying, is one of those guys that falls down the ADP drafts. But I, I felt obliged to have Radulov in my top five. I would have had Heiskanen above Radulov. And like that's that's what I wrote here, too. I was like, everything I wrote about Radulov was just full of disdain. I didn't want yeah, to have him in my top five, lie. but I felt I don't, obliged. I had Radulov in my depth. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I had Heisken in at number four in my list. Okay, well, at least um, you had him in your top five. Thank you, Raj. <laughs> yeah, I, I like him, but it's funny. I actually think uh, from his playoffs, he, he he got noticed. So that was my only worry is people might uh, remember that and draft him a little high. But he's uh, I really like him. Klingberg this last year, had they had the same amount of points, but he had 10 more power play points. Roughly the same amount of points, but Klingberg had 17 power play points and Heiskanen only had seven. Um, so it'll be interesting if he gets more power play time, like you said, things could. Well, Klinger, Klinger really did shift start favor, out but. on like the beginning of the year, was that power play was Klingberg. For sure, yeah. Heiskanen's ADP was 101.5. So that's a uh, pretty good ADP for somebody like, even if you're in a banger league, he's going to provide value. And points leagues, too, we're all pretty much in agreement here that, you know, the big step is coming for him. Uh, we're going to bounce wonder, around here that, in our top that five, I think. Second at 105, is that your second best defenseman? Or are you not taking a defenseman until you get to the hundreds? What's I that, eighth, TJ, eighth round? Sometimes you'll you'll just fade some random shit. You'll be like, you know what? <laughs> fade D. Today's the day I don't draft it, yeah. I'd be comfortable with him as my second defenseman. If you're in like an eight-team league or something, you're talking 11th round. By then, I should have two or three defensemen. I think you could draft three defensemen, but by the end of the year, he'll be your second best defenseman. He could be the third one you draft. All right, so this this top five is going to get all messed up here because we're we're so far off. Uh, I had Pavelski at number three, and I just want to talk about him for a minute here because he is going to get that one C spot. And at this point, like half a season, if we get sixty games into May, that that's that half a season. So Pavelski is going to get an uptick in time on ice, in line mates. I think it's going to be a good look for Pavs who seem to find an offensive stride in the playoffs. Like Raj, every single day you're like, Bo Horvat's been out of the playoffs for you know a week and a half now, and he's still tied with, or he's still number one in the goals. I think Pavelski was the one that kind of caught up to him too. So he looked good. He finally hit his stride there. I think too, nineteen points in twenty seven playoff games. 
I, I don't want to sound like other podcasts or anything giving too much credit to playoff performances, but the disparity between a 58-point pace in the playoffs and a 38-point pace in the regular season, I think 58 is the one that I would believe, and 38 is the one I would probably put in the trash. It's also worth noting that I don't have Yoel Kivaranta in my top five, so that just creates the disparity even more than other podcasts. <laughs> well, I think there's a more... <laughs> nice one. I think uh, it's different. Like, Pavelski has a huge body of work to look back at, and you see one bad year, right? One down year, the year he got traded from being the captain of a team to a de- totally defensive team, from the one of the highest offensive teams to straight-up defense on a team with a messed-up coaching situation and all that. So that's a very understandable, whereas... A guy like Heiskanen, he's more of, I don't know, his his playoff performance was great, but I think it's it's more of a maybe a flash in the pan chance. I think I think he's great, but you know what I mean. Like you can look at Pavelski and you can see where the oddities are. He's been a pretty long time, pretty consistent player. Actually, I was surprised that he gets still gets a hit in a block a game, and I think with him too. Because of the down season, everyone was like, oh, 40 goals, captain. Oh, he's on a shitty team and he's underperforming. I think he might drop in the ADP quite a Dude, bit. Dude, everybody in Dallas underperformed last year. Like, every single guy we're talking about is like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he did better two years ago than he did this year. So I think it was, yeah, it was a real team wide thing. Yeah. So, like, kind of throw it out. Let's look here. So the regular season, they had 2.6. Goals for per game, and then the playoffs, they upped it to 2.85. And they were throwing some, like, five-goal games against Colorado and stuff. It's not a huge uptick all around, but it was fun to see some of these guys get rolling. That's interesting. It seems like it was way more I dramatic think so. I think, than that. Cause like looking yeah, at I was the, surprised to see it. Looking at the team, Sagan had 50 points. Like, that's well under a point per game. And then nobody else even had over 40. So, like, Ben was next with 39. Like that is a – that's low. So I guess I'm I'm falling behind here in my top five. I got John Klingberg coming up next, and I want to start it off by saying the 60 to 65 point John Klingberg is gone for two reasons. Number one, Miro Heiskanen. Two, Dallas has moved to that 50-50 power play, and this is where I, I have that, that stuff I was talking about. So Klingberg, 67 points. He saw 75% of the power play time. The pace dropped to 58 points when it was 70% of the power play time. In this last year, 53% with Miro Heiskanen kind of eating into that share. Peripherals are decent on Klingberg, more than a block a game. Really not throwing the body around is like the hit ceiling kind of looks like 40 or 50 hits, but the shots have been there. There's over 200 shots in one season, the 67-point season. I think Klingberg's a pretty easy sell, but at the end of the year, it's going to be Heiskanen. It's it's a weird thing. And then, like, I got rattle off here. So I know you guys have him in your depth. If you got anything to add on Klingberg, please do. I had him as uh, number five, but uh, I had more of a question, like, because I think the exact same thing, like, Heiskanen's going to take over, take some of that power play time, which is clearly where Klingberg was getting most of his points from. Not a huge banger, doesn't hit at all. Now that I'm looking at it a second time, I kind of want to take him out of number five. <laughs> I feel so terrible inside having I him, have him in my depth. I feel dirty about my top five, especially Alex Radulov coming up next. And if I if I do just read from it here, it's like I really wanted. It says Alex Radulov, man, I really wanted to have Heisken in here, but I guess Radulov can be. And it's like it's just like I have no interest in Radulov 
he's just one of those guys, but I, I felt like it was warranted having him in the top five. He's one of those top power play guys. Historically, he's been pretty good this year, a 47 point pace. He is streaky. And this is, I looked at his game logs this year, three games pointless. There were four sets of three games where he had no points, one set of four games and two sets of five games. And as far as the other side of the coin, he had one nine game point streak where he had 12 points, four goals, eight assists (laughs) outside of that. There was only one other instance of consecutive games with a point. That's it. So he's a super streaky guy. He's always been like that, I think, if my perfect memory serves me correctly, even all the way back to the Nashville days and that I remember he'd have those like heater two-week sections and then it's like you pick him up off the wire and then it's like, oh, well, where did he go? Did he get injured? No, he just sucks now. Like, is very much that. I thought he hit more than he did. I wish consistency wasn't an issue, but like just that Ben Sagan Radilov top players line, I think like that's kind of why I felt obliged to put him in here. I definitely have the least faith in Radilov and it's, it's hard to quantify other than like, you know, gut feelings and stuff like that. Like if you look at the last two seasons, he had an 84 point pace and then 46, like that's such a crazy spread. And I get that like Dallas as a whole regressed a big time. And I, I think that's going to correct itself team wide next year. But like, as the season went on, Radulov lost time on ice gradually. His last five games played were under 16 minutes. So I do think one of those, I rank this top five using past performance where I guess I should have tried to project and Miro Heiskanen definitely would have been in my top five. At the end of the day, like Radulov, this is the last time he'll be in a top five for me ever. Like it just felt very obligatory. I think it's cooked. And I'll definitely eat crow. When the time comes, like when when Heiskanen is like the guy or Heiskanen. So Heiskanen, we we, we talked about him a lot already. Gurianov's got to be the next guy up. I I would feel kind of some type of way if you guys didn't have Gurianov in your depth. Yeah, man, he's great. Kid scores goals. You know how I feel. He's the only 20 goal scorer on the team. Only 20 goal scorer they had. I ranked players by 800 minutes. Anybody that played more than 800 minutes was considered in this list. I wanted to like get out the Morgan Geekies and shit. There was only 47 players with more shots per 60 other than Gurionov. Of those 47, Gurionov had the lowest amount of time on ice. There's Craig Smith and Jake Furtanen. Those are the other guys that are in like the 13s. If Gurionov gets more minutes, which I think is going to be likely, we're going to be looking at something close to Kubalik, something in the neighborhood of like 50 points. So if, if, if Gurionov puts up 30 goals, I think a lot of comparisons can be drawn between him and and Kubalik, like two times the number of goals as assists. They both kind of rode that way. The shot volume for both of them are in the top 50. Kubalik only had 14-22 and still put up 30 goals, mostly from top power play time on ice. But I think if Gurionov can get something like that going, like 25 goals is more than possible with a ceiling of like 50 to 55 points if he can figure out the assists part of his game. He did have, like, even though he had really low time on ice, it is a little similar to when we were talking about Bemstrom recently where... 20 goals, but 12, so 60% was on the power play. Woof. So that's uh, that's that's a lot of percents for power play goals. But, I mean, it's not like he's going to lose power play time with Sagan. Out. He's, if anything, he's going to be relied on more to be the guy with the shot who can score because he seems to be one of the <laughs> only ones who can. Kind of love him. Uh, not in the blocks department, but even 63 hits in, in that short a uh, little time on thing. ice. That's, that's pretty good. What about you, Jack? That's right. or, uh, Zach, spill the... Uh... Jack, yeah. damn, ouch. So to round out <laughs> my uh, you know, my depth options, I have, I have Essa Lindell. Oh, I, have I, Essa I was Lindell. hoping you, uh, you had some, 
some gushy love for Dennis Gurianov to talk about. Oh, well, I felt like you guys had talked about him. Pretty much, you, you said there everything that I was going to say and everything there was to say. I I like him. I think he. I think that he could easily be a, a top six forward. I think that once he really breaks into that top six, that he's going to be there. I think that everything that needed to be said was said. So, Lindell. Essa Lindell. Sure. Do you, did you guys think about Essa Lindell at all? I, I mean, got him he's, here. He's out there getting Absolutely. you uh, two blocks a game. 1.3 hits a game. Uh, he's not killing it on points. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes. Um, he's gonna gonna be getting a lot of time on ice, and he will get some power play time. You know what I had written for him? I was like, he is Nikita Zaitsev in Dallas. That's what I had for him. He's just hicks yeah. and blocks. Don't worry about offense. That's what you. That's where you're getting Esselin Dell for. Yeah, I know. But if I have him as like you know the last defenseman on my team. You know, if he's my worst defenseman, I'm not mad about it. Just a peripheral plug. That's what he's good for, man. I'm not saying this is a comparison, but he did have the same amount of power play points as Heiskin in this Ooh, year. Hot take. I hear it. I am not saying Esselindel is the same as Heiskinen. Well, if Lindell takes top power play, then Heiskinen can... Uh, he probably won't even make the team. He'll be hanging out with like Johnny Gaudreau. And- yeah, he's going to lose his job. I got a, I got Steven Johns for the same reason. Like when he's playing, he's a peripheral monster. Um, so if you can catch him when he's in the lineup, you can enjoy that stat stream there. We talked about Rupi Hints a little bit, like for when he's going to be playing 2C, but I think this kid's going to hit 45 points this year and he hits over a hit a game and two shots a game is going to be good. And, you know, with Sagan, I think he is going to ride that top power play. So he's, he's score first. He's going to be playing at even strength with Guryanov, who's also score first. So I started to play around with this idea that maybe they put Jamie Ben on Rupi's line and Gurianov on the top line. So I think that could be fun because you don't want to have like that's almost like a magnet that you're just trying to put together on the wrong sides, having two guys that just want to score together and no assists to go around. But you know, it could work. It could work. I'm trying to convince myself that it could work. But Rupi Hintz is one of those guys that's like on the fence between streamer and hold. Like I've seen him be held in 12 teamers i've seen him on the wire in 12 teamers i think he's going to be right in that gray area again this year like you're kind of on the fence about dropping him but you're probably going to drop him anyway i mean he's definitely gonna not throw i mean he's not going to throw around a ton of perifs but he's going to help you out on hits that's for sure he's getting over a hit per game which you got to be happy about and he's definitely a threat to score any given game so he's great for a stream and maybe in a hold i mean pick him up see how it goes he, yeah, he had like, you know, 19 goals in a short season, but his his percentage went from nine up to almost 16 percent. Yeah, which is odd being on Dallas this year for it to jump like that. So for a while, he was the leading goal I think scorer. 20, yeah, he was. He could end up with 20 goals, 25 if he ends up with a good. Set the of last games. guy I had in my depth is Joel Kevaranta, and not for. Those reasons. I wanted to take a realistic look at Joel Kivaranta for anybody that might overlap with certain podcasts that are pumping his tires. And I want to just start off by saying that, you know, he's not in my depth for good reasons. I'm not going to overreact as a result of two big playoff goals or five total goals on 21 shots in under 13 minutes time on ice. Kid does look like he can hit, though. You know, he he's just not shooting a ton under two shots a game. I'm not sure if... 20 goals is in the card or the 30 goals that he pays for in the playoffs. 
considering the wing depth that Dallas has, like in limited minutes that Kivaranta sees, I don't think this kid's a sleeper. I don't think he should wind up uh, on anybody's roster. He should be on waiver wires. The shots per 60, not great. If he does see as much time as some people are predicting, Pete, I think uh, two shots a game, tops, and a 30-point ceiling. That's it. Pete. I was was not aware that um, anyone thought he was a Oh, there's player. there's some people. There's some people out there. I Pete. Mean, no, it's just some people are like super high on Joel Kivaranta. Like, yeah, I've well, seen he's him. not going to shoot 24% the friggin' regular season this yeah. year. I just wanted to take a realistic <laughs> look. Because some people have been pumping him up I, something fierce based on just the playoffs. I would prefer to take a shot on, say, Jason Roberts. Yeah, Ooh. somebody I got in my uh, in my prospect thing here. Ooh. But we got to like, talk. Like, if you're going to shoot in the dark, I'd way rather shoot there. <laughs> Both of them are in the dark, <laughs> man. And we definitely got to touch on these goalies because Bishop is another guy that's going to be out till at least March, which jacks up the price for Anton Kudobin on draft day. This used to be one of the strongest tandems in the league. And I think, you know, Bishop had already had that injury cloud over him. And now he's out again till March. You know, he lost, he missed the playoffs. His history has been, you know, he's he's an injury prone goalie. Kudobin should be more interesting. And we're going to see Jake Ottinger a lot more this year, too. Like he's going to see some decent look as a backup in the meantime, unless they recall like Landon Bow. But if I'm remembering correctly, like Ottinger even beat out Landon Bow in the AHL. So looks like Ottinger is going to burn year one of his ELC. I think that's how that works. Like Cap Friendly only had two years left on Ottinger's ELC. He's going to be uh, RFA in 22 23 while Bishop and Dobby expire the following year. So I'm not sure the minutia of that like that ELC, if anybody can tell me, I would love that. Just hit me up on the Discord. Kudobin, sure. He was another... I mean, the whole team was a playoff. <laughs> Keep saying that about every player, like, but their playoffs yeah. are so good. That's how you Kudobin make the Stanley carried Cup. the team. Well, I guess so. <laughs> and usually it takes a performance like what Kudobin mm. did, right? Like he starters out, whatever, man. Kudobin came in, so if he can carry that through a lot of games because uh yeah ottinger obviously unproven completely so highly touted but yeah See, like but you're saying i think you could depend on it just because of the system and and if anything with sagan out you know you know bonus knows how to shut down the d i mean he's a he's a d right. coach <laughs> i think he can properly protect goalies regardless of the situation so i think that uh they're pretty safe yeah where's uh robertson Penciled in right now, if we're moving to the prospects, man. He's like third line, second line or something? Uh, well, on DFO, they were having him at second line with Sagan out, which I don't know about all that is a little business. spicy, but I would love that. Poopy Rupi, Gurionov, and Robertson. Woo. I would love that line. He's he's a smart kid and dangerous, too. I think like one of the biggest knocks on him has been his skating, but he's the type that can like outthink it. Like He's so smart that it doesn't matter that like his skating is a little slow and has been known to be like boomer bust. When we talked to uh, Sean Shapiro, that was what he said. It was like Robertson's either on the top line or he's not playing. So if he is in the top six, I think that's pretty fitting. Ty Delandria, Zach, somebody we are super stoked about. I, I was, uh, I was waiting to bring him up. Wait to just, you know, <laughs> you just, you just got done talking TJ. You just got done talking right, about one lay it on me, and then boom. What just, do you like about Delhi? No, screw you. Screw you and, and your BS. <laughs> I think uh, Delandria is a more physical player than Robertson, so we'll probably get 
uh, better perifs out of him. He's a net front kind of guy. I think he is. He's he's a north-south kind of guy. Robertson has a higher ceiling offensively, but I think there's a a certain reliability of Delandria that keeps him in relatively the same tier as Robertson, where Robertson's probably going to be a top-line guy, where Delandria will probably be middle six, um, just strong, power-forward type, I think. Anyway. I think he could. I think he could be easily top six. I think he could be a second line guy. That that's pretty much what I mean by top six. I don't think he'll he's need to work first for line it. forward, but I think that he could be a second line guy. It'll be interesting to see what they do because, like, just pulled up DFO here now, and they're like the way they've got the lines laid out. They have the old, the old top line, right? Like Pavelski, Ben, and Radulov. That's an average age of like thirty four <laughs> years old or something. And then you know, like we know, it's not. You know, set in stone. And then you got the nineteen-year-old like, line, Gary, second line. <laughs> Guryanov, Hints, and Robertson. Like, do you go? Bonus doesn't seem like the type of guy to just go so extreme like that. If, if there's anything we know about Bonus, is he's not an extreme kind of dude. He's not <laughs> he's an extremist. Middle of the road. <laughs> then, if you look at the third line too, you know, with Como, I don't think anyone's interested in Cogliano, are you? But. It's it's more like those lines do make sense, but I just don't see. I can see it getting mixed. They up They like a to lot play around. I think. That. I got yeah. Thomas Harley here, kind of finishing out outside of Maverick Bork. Like I don't know enough about Maverick Bork to to try and talk about him. So he is one of their best prospects, but I don't know anything, so I can't can't speak to him. But Thomas Harley is somebody that uh, you know, ex- excellent complimentary piece D man to have with Heskinen going forward. Uh, I don't think he's any threat for top power play but likely going to see second power play time. If they ride 50-50, Harley is somebody you want to key in on in, in dynasties and shit. So finishing it out, value picks, boys. Who do you guys like from Dallas? <laughs> Zach's just mean mugging. He's like, I don't want to pick anybody. I'm always disappointed by Stars players. I am. I'm yeah. always disappointed by Stars players. I think that value, I think that Dennis Gurionov is going to be a value pick. I think that he is draftable. I think that Dennis Gurionov as like, your second to last pick or your last pick is definitely draftable. And I think yeah. other people aren't going to do it. And I think doing that and holding on to him, seeing what happens in that top six could really pay off dividends. A guy that you pick with like your last pick or second to last pick, like I'm saying, that could be a top six guy and may stay in that top six. I don't see why not. Oh, for sure. I had, I think his partner in crime potentially with poopy rupee. I think he might be a good value pick as, as your last pick. I like uh, Pavelski um, too. And yeah, either one of those guys like, you know, end of your draft, but just cashing in on Pavelski as a, as a one C for a couple of months, you know, getting that is pretty good. And we already said that uh, Haskinen's I, I've said every pronunciation of Haskinen Heiskin in this episode. So well, forgive me. I'm trying right. to figure it out. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm right at least once. Uh, but yeah, Heiskinen, Heskinen, that guy, Miro is a uh, 101.5 as his ADP in the, in the drafts that we tracked. So that's pretty good value, especially for somebody who could flirt with 50 points. <laughs> <laughs> Pavelski only got drafted in two of these leagues. Ooh. So I'd say he's going to be a a value. Then I'll take him as a value pick then. (laughs) Yeah. ADP of 197.5. That can't be right. 157 and 119 divided by two. Here we go. 138. Yeah. Only two times that Pavelski was drafted. Yeah. I think that's a steal. A 1C that's undrafted who's not Colin White. A 1C for now. That ties a bow on it for Dallas here. So. 
I hope you guys enjoyed Dallas. If there's anything that we missed or anything that we're particularly sleeping on, Jordan, feel free to hit us up in the Discord. And tomorrow, we're going to have Carolina for you guys, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for, you know, we're in the home stretch here. So, like, coming up, we got Carolina, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Philly, Washington, Tampa. Like, there's a lot of fun teams to talk about yeah, coming up fun. here. So. We just got done with the two defensive teams left, so I guess like St. Louis is kind of like meh for fantasy, but they're a really good team, so there's going to be enough to talk about there, but uh, yeah, tomorrow we got Carolina for you guys. If you guys are digging it, be sure to subscribe. If you're liking it a lot or even loving it, perchance, feel free to leave us a review. That's always fun. In the meantime, if you guys want to catch us, we are on Twitter at FHF Hockey. We're in the Discord. Link is everywhere. Twitter description whatever we'll see you there uh until tomorrow guys we love you love you love you